that was a powerful testimony by Monica. Guys, news flash, um, evangelizing to your family members work. Telling your family about Jesus works. Um, sometimes they might reject you. Sometimes they might make fun of you. Sometimes they might look at you crazy and tell you that you're stupid for going to church. But let me tell you what, we can't give up on our families. We can't give up in reaching our parents, our unsaved uh, brother or sister, because they need to know the gospel. They need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Um, so with that being said, let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes right now. I'm just going to open up it with a word of prayer before we start off. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this room, God. I thank you, Lord God, for the promises that you've made, God, to each and every one of us to see family members come to you, Lord. Lord, I believe you're going to do great and mighty things through each and every one of us here, God. I believe we're going to see fathers, God, get saved, Lord God, and give their lives to Jesus. I believe we're going to see our unsaved uh, brother or sister, God, give their life over to you, God, in full surrender, God. It did, God, you did it for Monica, Lord. You did it for Monica. You used Isaiah to invite Monica, and now she's here, a deacon, doing discipleship. Lord, you can do it for any one of these youth families, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we come in agreement with your heart tonight, Lord God, and we say, would you do more, God? In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Well, if we can actually turn to Matthew chapter 28, that's what we're going to be opening up with today. For those of you who don't know, we're in a sermon series for the month of August called Therefore Go. Yes, yes, we're in a sermon series uh, throughout this month called Therefore Go. It's based off of this passage. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them, hey, I'm about to go back into heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to preach the gospel. We also learned a few weeks back that Jesus also told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. That was powerful. That was awesome. Hopefully, hopefully you guys remember that. But here in this verse, let's just read it, uh, read it here uh, as it's in front of us. Uh, Matthew ch uh, chapter 28 Verses 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand in this place. Amen. So, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we are supposed to go. We're supposed to go and we're supposed to preach the gospel. The majority of us in this room raised our hands. I'm a disciple. I love Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Guess what that means now? You have to preach to other people. You have to share the good news. You have to share with somebody uh, in your life that Jesus transformed you, just like Isaiah did with Monica. There was a change. Something was different about him. And then he finally extended the invitation to Monica. Hey, why don't you come with me to church? And you know what? She noticed a difference. She's like, okay, I'm curious about this. Sure, I'll go with you. I'll see what it's about. Bam, she gets saved, encounters the presence of God. And so just as disciples and followers of Christ, we are a part of this great commission that God gives us disciples 2,000 years ago, telling them to go out and preach the gospel. I want to ask you guys a question. Is there anybody that's not supposed to preach the gospel in this room? Anybody? Right? Is there somebody that's like too good to preach the gospel? 
well, I'm too holy. Well, I'm too Christian. I've been raised in the church all my life. Or, you know what, I, I wear the latest pair of Nikes. You know, I, I did my makeup all, all, I'm on fleek today. Or I, I, I got a new, a, a fresh haircut like all the other Hispanic people, right, the, where the part's on the side or something. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I'm looking good. You know what, I don't need to preach the gospel. I, I'm on like 10 or whatever. I don't need to preach to nobody. I'm good. I'm too cool to do that. You know what, I'll just leave that to like uh, one of the leaders. Or one of the, the 101ers, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll preach the gospel. I'll just sit back, I'll relax, I'll chill. Well, then guess what? You're not a Christian. First and foremost, point blank, if you're not preaching the gospel, you're not a Christian, you're not a disciple. You have to share your testimony. Because if God did something in your life, you have to tell people about it. Right? If God really changed you, if God really set you free from sin and darkness and did a work in your life and you're not the same anymore, you have to tell people about it. As a matter of fact, it's not even like a, I have to tell people about it. It should already just be there, a desire to share the gospel with somebody out of the overflow of your heart. Man, this is what God did in my life, therefore I'm going to go. And I'm going to tell my friend about Jesus. I'm going to tell the people at my school about what God did in my life. They might make fun of me. I might look like an idiot here and there, but you know what? It's for Jesus. I'm going to do it because I'm his disciple. Again, just to repeat it, if we're disciples... If we are disciples and belong to Jesus, we have to preach the gospel. Amen? Any confusion about that? Go back to the other verse, uh, Oscar. Uh, Matt, still in Matthew. There, thank you. Jesus said to his disciples, right? We're his disciples, therefore go. Okay, well, Jesus is talking to his disciples. I'm a disciple. I need to go and I need to preach the gospel. Guess what that means? That means that every single person in this room should be passionate and excited to tell others about Jesus. Again, when Jesus has so radically transformed your life and did a work inside of you, you cannot help but to tell others about him. You can't help it. But again, just for clarity, Jesus made it very understandable, very basic, very simple for us to understand if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to go and to make disciples. So this fall semester is coming up. School is going to start back up again, right? We're all going to be going back into our schools. We're going to be walking the hallways. We're going to be in the lunchroom, right? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel. If Jesus means anything to you, then yeah, you're going to share your story. Hey, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. Hey, you know, classmate that, uh, that's taking a text right next to me. Hey, you know what? Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you about him. Right? That should be our desire as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, there's another verse that I want to show you guys here. It's in Matthew chapter 5. Kind of describes what exactly happens and what we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. Here we go. In verse 13, this is our mandate. This is Jesus describing a follower of him. This is Jesus describing those who are his. Those are who his disciples, those who follow his teachings. What are they? What are they like, Jesus? Tell us about them. Describe them to us. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That is a whole nother sermon altogether. But point in case here, Jesus is saying we are the salt of the earth. We are to bring life wherever we go. And again, here it continues on, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Everybody say light. Come on, somebody. Hold on a second. All right, let's say that one more time. You are the light. light. Come on. Oh, man. One more time. That sounded awesome. You are the light. 
thank you. You guys are awake. Praise God. You are the light of the world. Somebody point to yourself. Say, I am the light. <laughs> I am the light. If you have Jesus Christ, don't point to your head. What are you doing? Um, if you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you, you have his light. You have his light because God is light. There is no darkness in him. So once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the light of God comes on the inside of us, and now we shine. And now we illuminate. Guess what? We're walking down the street, and when people see us, they see God shining through us. Now, here's the problem. If, God, if, if people see you and they're not saying these type of things, oh, when I look at Jeremiah, yeah, you know, I see this crazy kid who's just acting crazy and he's swearing and he's cussing and he's starting fights at school. It's like, hold on, is it the light of the world? Jer what? You know, what's going on here? No, that's not, that's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. You must have the wrong Jeremiah. All oh, right, he was, he was, whatever, right? And so, uh, praise God, Jeremiah is not living like that. But again, here's the point. If you are a disciple, you should shine with the light of Christ on the inside of you. Now that could mean a whole, that, that actually means so many different things. But in short, that means our behavior is different. Our attitudes are different. The way we think is different. The way we talk is different. If you have the light of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, you are different from the rest of the world. And you shine. You bring light into the darkness where there are people that are hurt, depressed, suicidal. They're going through all types of issues. There's gossip. There's drama. See, you as a Christian and as a, as a disciple, you stand out from the rest of them because you have Jesus' light on the inside of you. Therefore, wherever you go, wherever your place, wherever you find yourself, you're going to be shining with the light of Jesus Christ. It goes on. It says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Next slide. It says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. See, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, when his light comes into our heart, we give light to others as well. We shine the light of Christ to those around us. Again, when people look at our deeds, when people look at our behavior, when people look at our attitude, there's something that's supposed to be different about us. And they shouldn't be able to point to us and say, yeah, that kid's just like everybody else at school. Starting gossip, starting fights, cursing at the teacher, talking back to their parents. Yeah, that's, that's just like a normal teenager. No, you guys are called to be greater than that. If you have the light of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, you are so much more than that. Now you have Christ inward in your heart, and you shine, and you're different, and there's a distinction between you and the world. And God is telling us as Christians, we are to let our light shine before men. That means, again, when you're with your friends, when you're walking down the street, guys, it's so practical. Wherever you go, you are supposed to be representing Christ, and his light is shining from you. Every part of you, every part about who you are, your character, your integrity, the way you act, the way you behave, everything about you, every characteristic should reflect Jesus. Because again, as a disciple of Christ, you have him now living on the inside of you. So you shouldn't be acting like the world. I'm going somewhere with this, so please uh, keep on track with me here. But again, it goes on in this verse, it says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your what? Woo. Somebody said that they may say your good 
good deeds. He's, Jesus is telling his disciples, let your light shine before others so that the people can see that you're different, your good deeds. They see that you're acting different. They see, like, they, they see that you're not like the others and you're not treating others the same way as the world treats them. He's saying, let your light, let your Christianity shine forth. Don't hide it. Don't put it under some kind of basket when people ask you, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Do you know God? You shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't be ashamed. You shouldn't try and hide in some corner. Oh, well, no, I'm not, a, I'm not really a Christian. I mean, that's just, you know, I just kind of go to church. Well, hey, you know, let's talk about this new song out, you know. Like, no, you're supposed to let your light shine. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I serve God. Yes, I love Jesus. I'm all about him. Let me tell you about him. Let me share what he's done in my life. He can do it for you, too. So as we're disciples, we're letting our light shine before others. People are noticing it. People are getting changed by it. They're seeing our good deeds. And what are they doing? It says that they glorify your Father in heaven. So the people that see your example, the people that see your deeds, the people that see the way you're living your life, as a Christian, it should be bringing glory to who? To who? To God, to your heavenly Father. Does anybody want to bring glory to God? I pray right now that every single person in this room would give God glory, not just in word, during worship, by singing a song, but in how they're living their lifestyle, how they're acting and how they're behaving. Lord, I pray that I would glorify you with the way that I talk, with the way that I think. Lord, with the way that I act around my friends, let it bring you glory. Does anybody have that heart tonight? Does anybody say to themselves, I want to bring God glory by how I live my life and how I act? That's important, isn't it? As a disciple of Jesus, is that not important that we're supposed to bring God glory by our good deeds, by our actions? Another verse here in 2 Corinthians. If we can turn there, Oscar, if you have the slide ready. 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Hey! If you're in the ambassadors life group, make some noise. Woo! Come on, somebody. Amen. So it's in the Bible, right? Come on. Ambassadors are biblical, but resistance is too. And conquerors. And conquerors. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Well, what is an ambassador? What does that mean, Jesus? What are you trying to say that we're your ambassadors? Like, what's going on? As we, though... As though God were making his appeal through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through who? Okay, so God is trying to appeal. Do we all know what that word appeal means? Somebody knows what that word appeal means. Can you please raise your hand? I'm going to call you up in a second. I saw that, Jackie. You can't take it back. Can you please come up here? It's okay. Um, and explain what, that, what, what does that word appeal mean? Give it up for Jackie. Woo! Amen. It's kind of like gathering attention towards himself to like attract other people to go towards him. That's what appeal is. So like for example, if like there's a person in your life that's like talking to you about God and everything, God is using that person to catch your attention, to appeal you to go towards him. So Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Sounds simple enough. Amen. So we so as we are Christ's ambassadors, 
this is what that means and this is what that looks like. God is making his appeal. He's appealing before each and every one that you face. He's trying to get his message across to your friends through you. He's saying, you know what? I want to appeal. I want to get the people's attention. So I'm going to use Megan. I'm going to use Melanie. I'm going to use Jonathan. I'm going to make my message and the gospel clear through these people. See, God's not going to choose robots. He's not choosing my cat or, or like a dog or something to appeal through or like to get the world's attention. He's using people, human vessels. He's saying, look, I'm going to use you to appeal to the rest of your school. I want to get my message across. I want to get the gospel message to those around you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use you I'm going to use Julian to stand up in the middle of his class and start preaching and talking about Jesus Christ. Cuz God wants to get their attention. He wants to get the classroom's attention. He wants to get the world's attention. So who is he going to use? He's going to use you. And he's going to appeal through you. Again, this is not God like sort of using us in a kind of indirect, subtle way. No, this is literally God appealing, pleading, begging people to be saved through you. Does anybody want that in this place? Does anybody want God to appeal through them in their life? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Again, this is the job description of a disciple. God makes his appeal through us. We carry the light of Christ Jesus inside of us. We go and preach the gospel. This is what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ, as Christians. Again, we put it on our Facebook status. We, we say that we're a Christian. We wear a cross, necklace, whatever. This is what it actually means. God's making his appeal through you. His light is shining through you. That's what it's about. Now, if we can turn to Luke chapter 10. I know it's a lot of verses, but the Bible is good, so never get tired of reading the Bible. It's going to save your life. Amen. So here, Jesus is going to be giving an example. of A parable is what it's called. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, it's a little bit of a lengthy passage. We're going to have to go through a few verses here. But I, got, I want you guys to pay attention to the different characters in the story. Verse 25, let's go ahead and read it here. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is this expert in the law. He has a question, Lord, what should I do to be saved? Jesus asked him a question back. Uh, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, simple enough. So if I want to get into heaven, if I want to get into heaven and be with Jesus for the rest of eternity, what do I got to do? I got to love the Lord, right, with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. Okay, Jesus, I love you. Yes, God, I'm going to go after you. I'm going to serve you, Jesus. I'm going to worship. I'm going to start revival. Amen. Awesome. And love your neighbor as yourself. Two things. In order to get into heaven and be with God, in order to inherit eternal life, you need to love God and love people. Sound familiar, anybody? Come on, somebody. You already know. Verse 28, I believe, says, You answered correctly, Jesus replied. End of story. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. There's nothing complicated about that. Love God, love people. Any problems, any issues? Expert in the law? All right, we're done. Hold on. 
Teacher doesn't really like the answer. He's kind of trying to get to somewhere without saying it. He, he says this here in verse 29, but, when, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and, and who exactly is my neighbor? Okay, God, you, you said love God and, and with all your mind and soul and strength. Okay, I got that. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, I mean, who, who really is my neighbor? Who, who, you know, I mean, come on, like, who, who's my neighbor, God? Because, I mean, I guess it kind of matters. If I have to love my neighbor, it, it's important who my neighbor is, right? Well, in reply, Jesus gives now this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Track with me here. It says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. So this guy's kind of having a crummy day. He's traveling, and then he's attacked by robbers. What do they do to this poor guy? They strip him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. Maybe a relative kind of modern interpretation, like his car gets towed by the city, like a gang jumps him, and like the police like think that he's guilty or something. I don't know. Some crazy stuff is going on. This poor guy just had the worst day of his life. He's stripped. He's naked. He's beat up. He's bruised, and he's half dead. He's dying, laying on the side of the road. This person is in, desperate, is in a desperate situation. They're in desperate need for help. Has anybody ever seen somebody in a desperate situation? Wasted, broken, hurt. I saw that hand. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Come on, somebody. Have we all seen people like this beat up, hurt, and broken before us? Amen. So this person's just lying there, just broken. Their life has just been mangled up. They're half dead. Oh, well, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Oh, perfect. A priest. Now, a priest was like what? A pastor, somebody from the church, somebody that was a, you know, a, a good person, was religious, was moral, you could say. Surely a priest is going to help out this poor guy who's just been beat up, bruised, is left for dead, right? Of course, it has to be the priest. The priest is going to help out this poor guy. But what happens? When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Hold on. Wait a minute. Why, why, why did the priest just pass by this dude? He's dying. He's hurting. He's in pain. He's you know, he's just, he's messed up. It's pitiful to look at. But this priest just happens to walk by him. Doesn't think anything of it. As a matter of fact, he goes down, he, he well, where, where does it say? He passed by on the other side. So he kind of sees the person laying there and is like, oh, snap. Let me get on this side. Let me get around that because I don't really want to deal with that mess. I got like church stuff to do. I got to be somewhere. It's kind of running late. I don't want to be late to church or like late to this or that. So you know what? I'm just going to kind of dance around this guy who's just laying dead. And I'm going to get on with my day because I got more important stuff to do. Somebody else will take care of it. I'm sure this priest had some important stuff to do. Does anybody think that this guy was just, this priest was just like going to play Fortnite or like walk the dog? No, he... Well, some people think walking the dog is important, so maybe that's, that counts. I don't know. But, you know, the, the priest, he probably had an appointment. Maybe he was about to, like, do some marriage, right? Marry two, two people, marry a couple. Maybe he was about to give this important, like, word of encouragement to, like, the people in the church, and he just had to be there, and it was running late, and he's like, oh, you know, I can't really help right now, right? I'm sure this priest had some important stuff to do. So what's wrong with the priest just walking around him? Hey, he, he, the priest has a life too, right? Anybody get what I'm saying here? The priest, 
had important things to do. Guy on the road happened to just get beat up and laying half dead. Not my fault. I didn't cause it. Lord, I'm going to pray right now. Jesus, I'm going to intercede. for Lord, send somebody. Amen. And then he goes off. Okay, that's what the priest does. Let's see if there's any other people passing by. Okay, well, we see verse 32, so too a Levite. Now, a Levite, a lot of people, modern commentaries and uh, Christians, they, they describe a Levite as, say, maybe like a deacon, somebody who serves in the church. They might not be the head pastor. They might not be the head honcho in the house, but there's somebody who helps out. There's somebody who, like, you know, brooms, you know, vacuums, cleans up the chairs, whatever. So, so uh, somebody who goes to church, a church member, right? Maybe they're running late to, like, church member class. I don't know. Like, they, they, were, they were supposed to bring, like, the cookies that day, so they're, they're kind of in a hurry. And it says, when he came to, when he came to this, the place and, and saw him, next slide, it says he passed by on the other side as well. Okay. So this, so it, it makes a point. It, it's interesting. I don't know. I just, I just, Jesus is cool. He, he, he says that this Levite, this, this church member, that, again, that's what a Levite was. It, just for lack of a better term, Levite, just think of it as a church member, somebody who helped out in the church and all that stuff. He makes eye contact and sees the person laying there on the floor. Okay? Beat up. Messed up. Naked. Bruised. Dying, bleeding, just gory, just disgusted. It's just sad. He sees him and he's like, and he walks away. And he goes on the other side, passes around him. This is all going to tie in very perfectly to what I'm going to be saying by the end of the message. So please track with me. The Levite, the churchgoer, the church, he sees this guy laying there dying and walks around him. Well, we can't judge the Levite. I'm sure he had legitimate responsibilities, right? Oh, I'm running late. I got I to help with these other people. And I said I was going to be there at this time, and oh, I can't really help. I, I see it, you know, but I'm just going to pretend like I never did see it. I'm just going to go around the other side because I don't want to really deal with it. it. It's just interesting that it says he went on the other side because how many of you guys know if you choose to go on the other side of the road, let me give you an example. I've been in different situations where I, where I just um, <laughs> happen to be walking behind somebody for like a little bit longer than normal. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cool. I'm just like walking home or something. But they don't know that. They think I'm like stalking them. And so like we're just walking. I'm, I'm just, just doing me. I'm like trying to walk. Like I don't know because then it's like if you speed up and you walk past them, then they get even more scared as they're like, you're, they're, you know, you're speeding up. So it's like, you know, I'm like trying to slow down, you know, like maybe they'll walk faster or something. And just, and, and some different times, like I see them, like then they go on the other side of the street and they keep walking in the same direction. I'm like, oh, snap. They probably think I'm some kind of crazy serial killer, or whatever. I'm not. But, you know, it, it takes intentionality. You have to be very intentional, right? You have to make a very conscious decision. This, this, this Levite didn't just kind of fumble on the other side. That's my point. The Levite, the priest, they didn't just kind of happen to just get on the other side of the road. No, they saw the issue. They saw the problem. They saw somebody in need and was like, I don't want to help them. I don't want to deal with this. Let me go on the other side because I don't want to have anything to do with this right now. Very intentional. Very methodical. They planned it out. They decided, I'm not going to do this. I see it. 
It's not like they didn't see it and they were blind and like, oh, snap. Well, well they're, you know, what? No, they, they saw the, the person laying there, okay? And they choose to go to the other side. All right, well, we get it. We get it. We get it. The, the priest's terrible. Going to hell. Levi, oh, terrible. Just going to hell. Just terrible people. Just, just send them all back. God, just destroy them. right, Zap them with thunder. Amen. So then what, what happens next? It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, so he sees him too. He sees the person hurt. He saw what the other two saw too. No difference there. They all three, all three people saw the person laying there hurting, half dead, all that stuff. Here's what's different about the Samaritan. When he saw him, he actually took pity on him. That word pity means mercy, means compassion, it means kindness. It means he looked at him, he's like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. See, the other two were too busy thinking about where they had to be and busy thinking about what they had to do. They didn't care about the person. But this Samaritan guy was the only one who had pity, had compassion. They see somebody broken, hurting, beat up. Life is literally like just just hanging by a thread. See, that person is like, you know what, man? I feel bad for them. You know what? I'm going to help them. Compassion. Samaritan felt compassion for this person. So what does he do? He, he went to him and he bandaged all of his wounds. He poured oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. First of all, let, let's just stop there for a second. Uh, bandaging up the wounds, pouring on oil and wine. You know what? This guy's probably healthy enough maybe to recuperate after a few hours. Your, your, your wounds are bandaged. Okay, you're not bleeding anymore. You've disinfected like the, 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 you know, the, the scars and the tissue and the, the bleeding and all that stuff. He's probably set now. Just needs to rest maybe on a stone or something and he'll be good. No, but what does he do? He does something extra. He does something more. He then puts the man on his own donkey. Okay? Puts him on his donkey. What does he do with this guy? Is he going to maybe drop him off at a safer place? No. He actually brings him into a hotel. Doesn't just drop him off somewhere nice. Well, you know what? I got I, I gotta, I got plans too. The Samaritan was probably busy, guys. He probably had things to do too, but he had compassion. He had pity for this person. So he stops everything, begins to help this guy, takes him to a hotel, doesn't just drop him off at some random corner. All right, you know what? I bandaged you. I gave you oil and wine. I kind of disinfected those, those areas that are of concern. You know what? Now you're good. Let me drive off and get back to my appointment before I'm late. No, what does he do? He takes him to a hotel. And he takes even more care for him. Stays with him a whole day. The next day, he took out two denarii. I wish I knew how much that was. Any Bible college students know? Two denarii? Amen. Well, it was probably like, you know what? Somebody, Google that for me. Oh, amen. Joby, come on still. Shop. Um, two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. So this guy gives, him, gives, gives the innkeeper some money. It says, what, what does he say? He says, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So this Samaritan guy goes out of his way, helps a person that's broken, busted, and disgusted, takes care of him, goes above and beyond, is willing to reimburse. I mean, this guy's just going all out. Busy, had things to do, yet he had pity and compassion on this poor dude, decides to help him, goes out of his way. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to help the person, but he went above and beyond what was required of him. Anybody found that answer? $58 or more? 
About like 200 bucks. You know what? Here, uh, hotel innkeeper guy, here's $200. Take care of this guy while I'm away. $200. I mean, I don't know. In, in today's society, 200, 200 bucks, that's still something, okay? That, that, hey, at least for me, that 200 is like, whoa. Amen. Jesus, help me. So this guy is like, no, it's okay. doesn't tell us if he's rich or poor. It just says he has 200 bucks on him, and he's willing to give it up for this person who's hurting because he has compassion on him because he has pity on him. Okay, cool. Then Jesus asks him a question, the expert in the law, back to the beginning of the whole entire conversation, why Jesus uh, said this whole parable to begin with. Verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? So we had three people. All of them were probably busy. All of them probably had things they had to do. All of them probably had appointments they had to be at, right? Yet only one of them stopped to actually help the person that was in need. Okay, uh, let's see. Who was the neighbor? Does anybody know in the, in the studio audience? Megan. The Samaritan. Exactly. Good job, Megan. Thank you. Um, yes. Give it up for Megan. Woo. Yes. So the Samaritan was the neighbor. Pretty obvious. The neighbor wasn't the guy that walked around the situation, had better things to do. No, the neighbor, the person that showed, you know, just that what loving your neighbor actually means and looks like was the Samaritan who took his time to help that person who was broken, hurting, all of that stuff. Okay, so what does this have to do with anything? Why am I talking about people getting beat up, stripped naked, laying half dead on the floor, right? Does that happen? I mean, is it, we walk in, a, you know, down Chicago and on the side of the road and there's like a, a, a guy who's just dead and he's just like bleeding and all that stuff. I mean, I've never experienced that. Maybe you have. Um, if I did experience that, I'd probably call 911 and like wait there until the medics came or something. That's probably not how it worked back then. But why is this relevant to our society today? Well... Let me explain. We're talking about being a disciple, shining the light of Jesus Christ, going out, preaching the gospel, having Jesus appeal through us, getting uh, others' attention through us as we're proclaiming the gospel and telling others about Jesus and sharing our testimony, right? Because we have the light of God on the inside, and when they see our good deeds, they bring glory to God and the Father in heaven and now we're talking about the Good Samaritan and how this person saw somebody was hurting. Well, let me just kind of summarize it for you now in this moment. Um, we've all raised our hands, right? We all said we've probably seen somebody broken or hurting or in need of help, right? Can I have a show of hands again? How many of you guys have probably seen that? We've all been there. We've all seen somebody hurting, right? Here's the thing, guys. You are all in a family you all have brothers and sisters, maybe you're a single child, that's okay, but you live, you, you're going to go home somewhere tonight. You're going to go home somewhere tonight, right? You're going to go home to your, either your mom, either your dad, maybe the situation's complicated, that's okay. You're going to go somewhere and they're going to be there. In the skit, it just happened to be me and my sister. In Monica's testimony, it happened to be her and her brother, but as Christians, when we see our family hurting, broken, lying on the floor, messed up because of what the world is, we have to be the ones who shine the light of Jesus Christ to them and have compassion on them and show them kindness. We, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are called to go to our families. 
Some of you come here to church and you hate your family and you hate your mom, yet that's where God is trying to send you because they're hurting and they need somebody to shine the light of Jesus Christ to them. I'm tired of seeing people just come to church and just serve and they're acting like a priest and they're acting like a Levite. I have so many important things to do at church when at home your family's falling apart. Well, guess what? God wants you to stop the service. He wants you to stop doing all these other things and make time to help out your mom who just passed out on the couch because she got drunk at a party because she's divorced and she doesn't have anybody to show her real love. Guess what? God wants you to be the one to tell her about Jesus. We need to understand our first mission field, our first place to go and preach the gospel isn't across the street. It's not at your school. It's not somewhere over there. No, it's right where you're standing. The people in front of you, your neighbor, the one right next to you. When you go back home, your family. Because God's thinking about your family. Maybe you don't think about your family. Maybe you wish that you are so far apart from your family, you don't care about them. Well, Lawrence, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, guess what? God's still thinking about your family, and he wants them to be saved. And he wants them to come to him. And he wants their lives to be restored. And he wants their lives to be healed. Let me tell you what, guys. We were singing the song earlier in worship. I believe that there was a lyric about promise keeper, right? Promise keeper, weight maker, all that awesome stuff. When I was younger, a few years ago, God gave me a vision. I was preaching in Schur's High School. And I saw the place packed out, but there was something different about the people and something different about the audience. It was specifically, specifically teenagers just by themselves and with their homies hanging out. No, teenagers with their moms and dads and siblings worshiping God together. See, that's something God showed me. That's something that God promised me that I'll see one day. I'll see youth worshiping God with their family. If I can actually have my dad, my mom, and my sister come up really quick. I want you guys to get a visual of this. Because it's time for us to stop looking over there for some kind of answer for, to, to, to see God move. God wants to do a work in your own family now. Oh, well, my family, they argue, and there's fights, and this, and they're, they're great. You're a disciple. You have the light of Jesus of Christ on the inside of you. Go to them. Preach to them. Show them the love of Jesus. Have compassion on them. Reach out to them. This is my family. This is my sister. This is my mom. This is my dad, and then my brother is actually a pastor at another church. We all serve Jesus. You can give it up for that. It's all glory to God. Here's my question to you today. Do you want this? Wait, stay up here. Do you want this? I have the pleasure of serving God, serving in church, serving in ministry with my mom and with my dad and even with my sister. And again, my brother is saved and he loves Jesus too. Let me tell you what. This past Sunday, I saw youth come in and they were sitting on the front row. Stay up here just for a little bit longer. Thank you. They were sitting at the front row, and there was another uh, lady standing next to them. And for some reason, I, I mistaken that 
that lady as the person's mom. So it was a youth, and then they were sitting next to a lady. I thought the lady was actually his mom, but it wasn't. But it got my hopes, like, super up and crazy, and I, and I was seeing them I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's their mom. And, of course, when I found out that, like, it's not their mom, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, whatever. But that's okay because, you know what, I believe that God will save his mom. Because I want to see his family, this youth family, at the altars on Sunday worshiping God. Is it just for that youth? Here's what I want you to picture in your mind. If we can all close our eyes just for a second. I don't know if this means anything to anybody, but I know it means something to God. So I'm going to preach it, okay? I want you all to picture in your head. Close your eyes. Picture in your head. Your father, your mother, I don't care if you never met them or knew them. Your father, your mother, any siblings that you have, imagine them, all of you guys, together worshiping God here. I'm not talking about some fake hypocritical worship. I'm talking about you're all crying together. You all have your hands raised. And the presence of God is in the room. And you're next to your dad and you're next to your mom and you're next to your sibling. And you guys are going after Jesus together. You guys can open up your eyes now. Family, you can go, go back to your seat. Let me tell you what, that's what God sees. That's what God thinks about. And he's looking for teenagers. He's looking for somebody in this audience tonight who's willing to go to their family. There's some of you, your family is messed up. Your family's broken. And in our culture, we've been so trained to view our family as like this burden, as like, I don't care about my family, I just got to get away from them, they're always yapping and complaining. But guess what? Somehow, some reason, when, the, when our mom disappears from our life, when our dad disappears from our life, when our siblings disappear from our life, you know what? It actually hurts us. Something actually happens. If, it, if our families didn't matter, then why are there so many people who are depressed about their family situation? So many people who kill and who commit suicide because of stuff that happens in the family. If family didn't matter, if family wasn't important, then why is it moving and impacting so many people when families are broken? There's divorces, there's adultery, there's cheating, there's drunkenness, there's drug overdose, there's all these stuff, and, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it has a grip on our society. If it wasn't important, if it didn't matter, then why are so many people affected by it? The answer is Jesus, yes. The answer is the gospel, yes. But God is looking for disciples that he can make his appeal to, that he can make his appeal through. He's looking for his disciples, people that he can talk through. He's looking for somebody tonight that, he, that when you go back home, Jesus can talk to your mom through you. Jesus can talk to your dad who's an alcoholic or whatever and he's about to just commit adultery and, and, and have a divorce and split up with some other woman. God wants to use you. He wants to use you and make his appeal through you. God wants to use you to reach your siblings who are lost. Let me tell you what, maybe you don't understand the consequences. Maybe you don't understand their fate. You know what? Some of you have siblings. They're that, that, that person who's lying dead. You're going to go home, and your sibling is going to be lying there broken. They might not be bleeding physically. They not, might not be, like, you know, decapitated or whatever, but they're broken. They're depressed. They're, they're looking at pornography. They're in a relationship that's a abusive, all this stuff is happening, and you're just walking over to the other side because you have better things to do.
I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That's not God. That's not his heart. God cares about your family, and he wants to use you. Does anybody understand that in this place? God wants to use you to do something about it. He's looking for somebody, anybody, that's willing to reach out and help that broken family member. Maybe you go to a party, and there's always that crazy aunt, there's always that crazy uncle that's always drinking and making jokes. Well, you know what? Instead of gossiping about them, why don't you go up to them and pray for them? Why don't you go up to them and say, hey, you know what? I know why you're drinking like this. It's because your mom left you when you were a child, and you're still broken, and you're still hurt about it. You know what? Let me pray for you. God, do a work in this person right now. Do we understand God has dreams and visions and plans for your brothers, for your sister? Jazzy, God has a plan for your brother. You believe that? God has a plan for your mom. Jonathan, God has a plan for your family. Nathan, God has a plan for your mom and your sisters. God has a plan. He thinks about them. God sees their brokenness. He sees, you know what? It's interesting. The priests saw it. The Levites saw it. They saw the brokenness. Some of, so many of you, tonight, you see your parents broken. You see your siblings broken, but you have no pity. Here's what we're going to do for the altar call. We're not going to have it just yet. But you know what? For the altar call, let's pray that God would give you compassion for some of your family members. Because some of you are so cold. Some of you could care less. If your brother commits suicide and shoots himself in front of you, some of you are that hard-hearted. You know what? God wants to break that inside of you tonight. Because God wants each and every one of you to have pity and compassion and care. And care. Oh, well, they're five years old. They don't know what they're doing. Who cares? They're just going to, you know, cause a mess at home, and they're going to drop the, the chips or the cookies, and they're going to have to vacuum it. Well, guess what? God wants to use you to shine the light of Jesus Christ to that five-year-old brother or sister. If we can all stand up in this place. The sermon series is called Therefore Go. Tonight, God is saying, therefore, go to your family. Go to your family. If you're looking for a place to go, you're looking for a place to preach the gospel or do something. I just want to be around church and I just want to you just be around and just do things for you. Well, do, do start at home. Start with your family. Stop going to things just to go for them when you're walking past your broken mom who's just overdosed on drugs. God wants to use you to stop it and bring healing. Holy Spirit, come right now. Lord, we just repent for walking past, oh God, so many of us, God, have walked on the other side, Lord. God, we see our mom wiling out. God, we see our dad wiling out. And we just say, nope, 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 not going to deal with it. I see it. See what's going on. But nope, I'm just going to go to the other side. Got to go to this practice, got to go to this volleyball thing, got to go to this soccer thing, got to go to this track thing, got to, got to run over here, got to be in this club, got to do this club and that club. Sorry, nope, I see, I see you, Dad. You're, you're drinking again. I see you. You're, you're texting this other woman. No, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm just going to walk over here. I'm just going to live my life. No, God, we repent for those moments because, God, our first responsibility is to our family. That's why you've placed us there, God so that we can be a witness, so that we can shine your light, 
so that they can see our good deeds. Oh, some of you, if you were to act like Christ in front of your parents, they would get saved. You want to see drugs end in your family? You want to see violence end in your family? You want to see gangs end in your family? Then act like Jesus, and they'll give glory to God. Keep praying. Keep praying. The Holy Spirit's moving. Lord, show us, God, those times that we've walked around our family members, Lord God, because we didn't want to deal with it. We repent, God, as a body, as a youth group. This will not be what is said of this generation, God, over our dead bodies, Lord God. We will not let that be said of us, God. Oh, the teenagers, they don't care about their family. They just want to do their own thing. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. The teenagers will be the ones who will bring their family to Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm not done yet. Some of you guys just, you, you're so tuned out. You don't even understand. You don't even, just, just, please, just please ask the Holy Spirit. Show me. Show me, Holy Spirit, where I didn't care about my family. Lawrence is preaching this whole sermon, calling me backslidden because I don't care about my family. Show me, Lord. Show me where I didn't care about my mom. Show me where I didn't care about my, my, my dad smoking weed in the back. My brother, 10, 11 years old, smoking weed, trying alcohol for the first time. Show me where I didn't care, Lord. Holy Spirit, show them right now. Show them right now, God. Show them, Lord. Show us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. If I can have just the leaders help me out right now, just say, Holy Spirit, show me where I didn't care for my family. I can just have a few of you guys understand it in this place, how, how much God's heart is burning for your family, for your siblings. Yes, he burns for the people on the other side of the street, but he burns for your mom. He burns for your dad. What do I mean by he burns for? God has passion and desire and plans for your mom, for your dad, for your child, for your sibling your brother, your sister, he has plans for them. Maybe some of you are close to cousins. Maybe you have a clo you're close to your uncle, you're close to some grandparents, some aunts. Guess what? God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Oh, that's somebody else's job. No, it's not somebody else's job. That's your job. Stop complaining about being a Christian to your family. Start shining the light of Jesus in your home. Watch what happens. Because I believe it's time for some of you, your parents need to come to this church. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to force you, but I'm telling you, you can see, you can have that opportunity, that testimony where your whole family is at these altars worshiping God. Does anybody want to see that? Jason, if you can come up. Jason's been going, his family, I believe last time we talked, your family was just going through a lot of turmoil and everything, right? Is it still, still, still like that? Um, I don't know how much you want to share, but you don't, you don't have to share if you don't feel comfortable or that's okay, but I want you to just kick off just a time of prayer, okay? God cares. Do we understand that? God cares about our family. Let's come in agreement with God's heart right now. Jason, pray that your mom and your dad would be saved and that they come here and that they worship and that you and your family would worship at these altars together. Yeah, you had me like a millimeter away from breakthrough, so good timing. <sighs> Lord God, 
I pray that all the youth, Lord, that their families would come here. I pray, Lord, that you will shine in the children in this place, Lord. I pray that you will shine in the families, Lord. That these children would live for you, Lord, and they would show their parents how to live life correctly, Lord. That they don't have to disappear in the middle of the night, Lord. Saying that they go to work and, Lord, that they wouldn't come home even though they're off from work, Lord. They'd be off somewhere doing their own thing because they won't talk to each other, Lord. I pray that these youth parents, Lord, I pray that their parents would not be separate from one another, Lord, but they will be one for you, Lord. That they will work together to glorify you, God. I pray that the children in this place would glorify you and just have their parents be saved, Lord. So that their children can see that, yes, my son is living correctly. Despite the arguments I'm having with my wife, despite that we haven't talked to each other in nine months, my son is still happy and joyful in Jesus. I pray that my father would be saved. I pray that he would glorify you, Lord, and stop watching these conspiracy videos and stop dodging the truth that God loves him. Lord, I pray that my mom would stop being religious and saying that she knows you, yet she hasn't been at church in like, like easily more than 10 years. God, I pray that she would be saved, that she would seek a relationship with you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I pray that my family would be saved, Lord. I pray that my brother would come know my parents again, Lord. I pray that he would turn away from homosexuality, Lord. That I would get to know him as a brother again. I pray that I would have a relationship with my brother again, Lord. Not just saying hi every three months. But Lord, that he would come to know you and that he would come to know my family. That I could get to know him in the future again, Lord. I pray that my family would be saved, Lord. And I pray that these youth would shine their entire lives over you, Jesus. Not showing just to their parents, but to their cousins, to their best friends, Lord. To everyone who, go to, who they go to school with, Lord. I pray that these youth would shine for you, Lord, brighter than the sun. That when they see them walk in the halls, they would say, oh, yeah, that's the Christian kid. He's so happy all the time. She's so happy all the time. I want to be just like them. Lord, I want them to shine in the halls. Shine wherever they go, Lord. <sighs> Lord, I pray that you will be glorified in every single day in every single one of our lives. <laughs> that we would continue to grow exponentially, Lord, and just continue to have a fire for you, Lord, that is brighter than the sun. In your name I pray. Amen. We're not done yet. Holy Spirit's doing something. I want to invite TJ. TJ, where are you at? Come on. Is your brother saved? Is your mom saved? Just lift up a prayer for them that God would save them. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you save my mom, Lord. 
Lord, I just pray that you would take away all the pain, Lord God, from her, Lord God. You would take away all the, 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 the lies, Lord God, from her, Lord God. You would take away all the, the hurt, Lord God. Lord God, that you, she will forget how she got molested, Lord God, as a child, Lord that she will forget how she got molested, Lord God, as, as a grown woman, how, how so many men have beat her and whipped her. Lord, I pray that you just have your way with her, Lord. I pray that she'll turn away from sin, Lord God, that she'll turn away from wickedness, Lord God, that she'll turn away from perversion. Lord God, I pray that she'll turn to you, Lord God. Lord God, that she'll worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord God. That she'll love you, Lord. That she'll want to know you, Lord, in a deeper deeper level, Lord God. Not based on religion, Lord, but to know you, Lord. Lord, I pray that my brother will get to know you, Lord. I pray that he will stop continuing to live in sin, Lord God. That he will stop uh, having sex before marriage, Lord. That he will stop living in sin and wickedness, Lord God. That he will stop not denying you, Lord God. Denying your works in his life, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that my mom and my brother will worship you, Lord. That he will get to know you, Lord God, in a deeper level, Lord God. That my whole family, Lord, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, Lord God, will know your love, Lord God, will know your supernatural love, Lord God, that you died on the cross for their sins and you resurrected on the third day. Lord, I pray that they'll know you in a supernatural way, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you send me, use me, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, to proclaim the gospel to them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will not, I will not walk in fear, Lord God, of what they think, Lord God, but I will walk in power and signs and wonder with the power of the gospel, Lord. God, I pray that you use every single youth here in the name of Jesus, Lord, to reach their families for you, to reach their families for you, Lord God. Not just, not just their aunts and their uncles, but their whole entire family will be saved, Lord God, that their whole entire family will get to know you in a supernatural way. Lord God, I pray that you'll proclaim the gospel, that you are the way, the truth, and the light, Lord God. That no one else can go to the fire unless through you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Have your way, use them, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord God, amen. Amen. We're not done yet. Melanie, if you can come up, just pray for your family. I know you were sharing that they're going through different stuff. God can do a miracle. Why don't you lift, lift, are they saved? No. Pray for them. I pray that my dad will be saved. I have gone through so much with him. From a divorce to another broken home, it's not a great life. But, you know, I just pray that, you know, he will be lifted up and that I would have the courage to go up to him and tell him, you know what, dad, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you about the glory of God. Because it's not that easy. It wasn't. It isn't. But no matter what, I'm so thankful that I can be standing here right now telling all of you guys that you can be saved. You can save them. You are saved. Some of you claim that you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, save your families first. Save them around you. And I need to take that upon myself as well because I can tell you guys this, but my actions aren't lining up with it, and I know that.
So right now, I make a declaration that I will preach to my family. That I will have them get to know you, God. Who you are. I haven't seen my mom in years. But I just pray that she can be saved. That the day that I see her, that she'll be all right, knowing because she was in your hands, that she got to know you, God. And that through everything, that, you know, we could be a family. And uh, Lawrence was talking about earlier, picturing this um, this place, like you worshiping and and doing everything with them, coming to church. I want that. I want that with my family. I want to be here at the altars with my family, praying, crying, even that. Because I need that. I want that. And I want that for you guys. And I just pray that everyone in this room, that you can take that into consideration from everyone else that has also been um, sharing too. That you know that you don't just look over this and think it's nothing. No, that you actually take this into consideration and actually do that. Um, Lord, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just lift me up in order to encourage everyone and myself to save our families. In Jesus' name, amen. If I can have Stephanie come up. If you can put on the guitar, Oscar, you can mute the guitar for a second. If I can have the altar workers come up. I just want to say this just in case. If, if maybe you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he, he cares about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what's going on. Jesus is calling your name, and he's saying, come. So if you just want to give your life over to Jesus... These altar workers are here. They're going to be Ashley Bolden and Joby. If you want to give your life over to Jesus, please come. Ask them for prayer. But for everybody else, here's what the altar call is going to be. Very simple. If you want to see your family saved, I want you to come up to these altars and just believe God that God's going to do it even as we're praying.